Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the freelancing podcast that solves your problems one at a time. I'm Michelle Pratt, owner of Dive Deeper Development, a training and coaching business. And I'm Katie Carlisle, I own Squarespace Queen and I do Squarespace web design and training. And today we're going to talk about the challenges of being a female freelancer. Do women face more challenges in freelancing than men? What's the difference and what can we do about it? We've been looking into the research, what little research there is, and I'm about to lead a startup programme for women. So it's something that's really been on my mind uh, for a little while now. We've actually put this podcast off for so long. We we've been talking about this this subject for a while, but neither because neither of us has really for, for so long. I think neither of us really feel like we've massively suffered as a result of being women in freelancing. However, I do think this is a problem that really it does exist, which we'll explain for reasons in a minute. We're not going to promise to have all the answers. We are good, but we're not that good that we're going to solve society's gender <laughs> problems in one podcast. But it's an important topic nonetheless. I mentioned I'm about to lead this um, women's startup program with with you no know, training and coaching and when I sat down with the the funders who it was NatWest funding it the first thing I said to the to the lady was well I'm not sure what we'd cover in the training sessions it's any different to what we cover to the mix sex mix sex groups but actually do you know the skills are the same so you still need to negotiate you still need to be able to organize your time you still need to be able to do sales and service but there are additional challenges and there are certain areas of focus where I think women do have greater needs. So I think the first question, Katie, is, you know, if the if the core skill sets are the same, why is it more of a challenge for women in freelancing, do we think? Yeah. And just to echo what you were saying, Michelle, it's, it's not that all of these problems will definitely happen to women. And certainly we've been very fortunate or privileged that we've not had to deal with a lot of the problems that we're going to mention. But research and anecdotal conversations and things like that has shown us that these are real problems and i think one of the really obvious ones is actually the pay gap that we know exists in employment follows you out of employment and it exists in the freelancing world as well so that's probably one of the biggest problems and actually there's quite a few reasons for that as well i think yeah we'll go into that in a sec won't we but i think it follows you out the world of work doesn't it katie yeah exactly i think it's it's the problems that started long long ago around different pay for women naturally then apply because it's actually the you know the the same people who were making the decisions in the world of employment have also gone into the world of self-employment so it's not like it's this whole new group of people who are just really open-minded and don't have any kind of preconceived expectations or any you know uh, kind of un- unconscious biases that the the biases are there in the world and you don't escape them as a freelancer yeah and i think it's such a frame of reference as well so many people that i coach when i say to them okay well what do you want to earn a year they they use their previous salary as a reference point whether they go above or below it and if your reference point is lower than that of say men as a woman uh, then you're then you're then you're going to ask for less when you go into the freelance world and we also know that women are more likely to work part-time hours and therefore their expectations of what they might be able to earn in a year because of that is then lower so it's there's some psychology to this but it almost sets this anchor this reference point your upper end your lower end and that if that's following you out of employment and that's lower then of course you're going to ask for less when it comes to being self-employed in many cases anyway I think so I think you're right about the pay yeah definitely and I think there is again it's, it's, it's very hard to know what's a stereotype 
and what is actually real. But I know that there's this kind of idea that that women don't have the confidence to ask for more money and that men are more likely to go for work where they don't necessarily meet all of the spec. They'll apply for that job anyway in the world of work and in self-employment. And also that men just have more confidence or are willing to bluff more to ask for more money for a particular job compared to how much a woman would ask. And I saw something on Twitter, it was years ago, probably about five or six years ago, but it's always, I've always remembered it. And a female, I think it was Illustrator, had shared a story where she'd put in a quote for some work and another male freelancer had put in a quote for the same work. And the agency that was making the decision had preferred her work and they'd got back to her and they'd said, we want to work with you. You said you'd charge us this much. Your male counterpart was going to charge us three times that amount. So we're going to pay you what we would have paid him because your work is better. And so we kind of, you know, we there is definitely that discrepancy and there's been some research around the pay gap. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the research that Ipse did around uh, women in self-employment but really there is a massive lack of research as well and that's probably part of the problem is that there's not that much information to go off and there's not much transparency around what rates people charge which makes it much harder for people to actually know what to charge and I think maybe women are more likely to undercut themselves and not want to be seen as kind of being cheeky or taking the mick and asking for too much. Yeah and, and you know there was an interesting uh, thing on the Harvard Business Review, the Women at Work podcast, saying that women are less likely in the workplace to ask for a pay rise but they are also more likely to be judged for it or declined when they do ask. So it's not an irrational uh, fear, you know? So you can say women to, well, ask for more, but it's not quite as straightforward as that. And I agree that's a bit of a a challenge as well. I also think there's the, uh, you know, you mentioned Katie, you know, the attitudes that exist within society and they do follow you into self-employment as well. So uh, I find that when you go to a lot of networking events, you are in the minority as a woman. Now this is changing and of course it depends which events you go to but I certainly saw the old formal old school business ones I've been one of only a few women in the room I don't personally find that intimidating but I think some people would feel very conscious of it and it can hit your confidence sometimes And, and even if you're not like feeling a lack of confidence because of that there is this sort of subconscious sense that maybe I don't belong or I just don't quite fit there and that can make finding your your crowd or finding your support network a little bit more different as well especially if you do work in industries which are traditionally male dominated ones so like stem tech stuff anything around that I I know when I first started out there was um, an event called I think it was girl geeks or something like that And I kind of felt really conflicted about whether to go to it or not, because in a way I was like, yeah, I'm a woman and I'm kind of in that tech world, which at the time I'd say was more male dominated. I mean, I've been in business for almost nine years now. I think now probably, especially in Squarespace, there's more women than men who are doing Squarespace web design based on kind of the people in the community that I meet. But at the time I was like, right, okay, yeah, how can I kind of get into this world? And I definitely had a lack of confidence and had sort of the imposter syndrome around kind of, especially my kind of, you know, coding skills um, and, you know, that I wasn't a real web developer and things like that. And I kind of, so I kind of felt like, oh, okay, yeah, this girl geeks thing is a kind of safe place because it's just women. And, but at the same time, I kind of just wanted it to be called Geeks Club and it to have women and men in it. So 
it's it's that thing of yeah is is the kind of separation of women helpful or a hindrance again we don't have all the answers but i think that's something that you know almost by saying oh women need their own space because they can't handle being in the men's space can be a bit problematic sometimes but it is also a way if it gets people actually feeling safe then that's great but we need to do more to actually make the, the kind of space for both genders feel welcoming. Yeah, I, I think I've been to some networking events, Katie, where it does feel like a bit of a boys club. So the men maybe go out drinking together or they pass work to each other or even just small things like the topic of conversation, which is, I don't know, I feel like there's a sort of, uh, in some groups, some uh, secret language that's spoken between each other, which on the surface looks <laughs> utterly meaningless to me, but there's a bit of a, you know, you know you're not on the inside of that. And I have, unfortunately, in some, you know, some networks, there's been, there's always a few idiots, I suppose, and there's been something in the news I think when Me Too came up quite a lot you know some people were making very ignorant comments and it, it, you just and if you go oh well actually I you know there is another view and then you get shot down which did happen with one person I thought I'm not going to get angry about it because you can't talk to this person but I shut up and I withdrew I thought well what's the point and that makes it hard to participate in that environment with that person there and unless there's men in the room willing to, to speak up and challenge some of these ideas it can be it can be quite difficult so again it, we're not saying it's a barrier and like you say Katie I think there's this thing about you don't want to make women sound weak that they can't hack it but there are these just these little yeah. extra bits of ugh that you have to go through and it is tiring and, and when I do you know um, unconscious bias workshops or diversity inclusion workshops I just say to people well yeah okay you can deal with it but it's not the first raindrop that makes the roof fall in it's not the last raindrop that makes the roof fall in it's like all the raindrops together eventually cause the collapse or uh, you know my physio described it like you know um, repetitive strain injury no it doesn't really do any harm but when you have to do it over and over and over and over it can wear you down and it can cause problems like that so yeah it's that death by a thousand cuts isn't it you're not saying stopping women from participating in business but it does actually add a bit of extra grief as well and as we know there are up to 99 problems that people face when they're freelancing and if yeah being a woman is just another problem that could be the problem that makes it seem inaccessible and so that's one of the reasons we wanted to make sure that we're actually tackling it rather than kind of going ah oh, we don't know all the answers so we're not going to talk about it um, and actually, I think that is one of the problems is that people don't talk enough about their experiences or they minimise them. Like, I think, you know, you and I started off this podcast by saying, oh, we're really lucky we haven't ever suffered any of these problems. And then we've literally just in the last five minutes talked about having experienced some of these problems. So I think we do have a tendency maybe as women to minimise the problems, not want to make a fuss kind of go oh yeah but that wasn't that bad was it not compared to the really bad stuff like it wasn't that bad and I think that's one of the things we saw with me too was there a lot of people that were like oh well it wasn't it wasn't like the worst thing that they could have done to me and they did you know that they did worse things to other people and and so I think that's something we need to get better at is actually sharing our experiences because collectively we're stronger than um and I think just asking questions as well and I think there's probably like we said there's not that much research and so it's really hard to know really you know you, it's very hard to fix a problem when you don't know where when you don't know the extent of the problem and that's I think maybe where we're at with women in freelancing there's not enough information about how it really impacts women in all different aspects of their lives. 
Yeah, but also not how it impacts businesses because I do feel businesses yeah. lose out as well, but they're probably not knowing what they're missing out on. And then there, of course, we haven't mentioned the obvious ones, Katie. But then women do have specific needs. Um, I know we were talking about the other day how women took on more of the the childcare or the mental tasks during lockdown during COVID. We yeah. saw this come up, and we've also seen in the news recently more about women experiencing menopause and encourage women to speak out at that at work as well. So there are specific needs based on gender as well yeah and i think other areas as well where there are still things that are less diverse for women but also other marginalized groups so like speakers panelists i think the default is still the older white man is the expert and so i think that's another barrier is actually just that visibility and getting yourself on a panel or getting yourself put as a speaker is is harder because there's that sort of default mindset and I think for you know do people have those stereotypes you, you know if you say like entrepreneur or CEO I think a lot of people still think oh that's a man and you mentioned an anecdote Michelle where there was somebody who the the what was it an IT con their, their their IT support that is yeah it was on Twitter this week she said she's the CEO of the company and she said she didn't get invited to a meeting they invited the IT contractor because they assumed he was the boss and she was just left out of the meeting completely because they didn't realize who she was and there's another one I read another, someone replied with a story that someone lost some oh no he said he, he lost work because he assumed the woman on reception was the receptionist she wasn't she was the director <laughs> so uh, he said he learned a valuable lesson and he's not made that mistake again so I think there is something and you say Katie role models as well and I even went to a talk once for women and it was a direct a male director talking about how he got to where he was and afterwards I said well that hasn't addressed any of the issues that the women raised particularly around childcare. and someone said oh no no he's a single parent it's like well why didn't he talk about <laughs> that because I think that might have been really useful for some of the people in the room so you, it's it's not just like oh this you can be done but you want people who's walked a similar path perhaps to to work out how they've done it and um, that could be tricky but it could be lacking for those as well I think yeah and I think the final thing is actually just like representation and who is making decisions that affect us so you know are the people in the meetings where decisions are made that affect female freelancers are there enough women in those positions probably not and so it goes beyond just how many women are freelancing it's like who is making the decisions even things like, um, you know, in industry associations, I know one of the industry associations started off for um, as, as an association for IT contractors, the majority of whom were male. And so a large proportion of the membership is still male because of that, even though it's evolved into a larger organization. And so it's then that kind of trying to make sure that they're opening it up to try and attract a more diverse membership and and i know that's a challenge that they're facing is how to how to actually do that so but the good news is there are some definitely some benefits for freelancing for women as well and we do see more and more women taking uh, choosing freelancing uh, as an alternative to employment uh, the ipsy we, we've been looking at an ipsy report on this katie what's it record it's just called women in self-employment isn't it women in self-employment report yeah yeah and this was saying that women are choosing freelancing for or self-employment for three main reasons 
One is control over hours, the second is control over work location, and the third is work-life balance, which basically all adds up to well-being. Whereas men, they say, tend to choose freelancing for more work-based or career aspirations. The good news is that um, Ipsy's report showed that three in four women are happy being self-employed. So those who choose it may find it can be tough sometimes, but ultimately it's rewarding. I've personally been coaching some women recently, um, and one of the, and one of them said quite explicitly, "I want to break the cycle of." low pay and I know she's not alone her attitude was I don't want to work for people who don't value me I know I'm worth more than this and she's right if she all she's ever done is low paid jobs because of childcare or for health reasons then the only other job she can get is the low paid jobs but she has skills which she feels she can offer that can earn her more money so now she can set her own rates and again that that frame of reference I was talking about Katie about what you you deserve to get paid or what you can get for your skills for her she can now take that up so she's in control And actually, sometimes people are actively seeking women too. So I certainly know from my point of view, I do uh, management training and I come from a finance background. And apparently there aren't that many women who can do that on an associate basis with the flexibility I can do it. So quite often when I work on large projects with other people, they want a woman in the room to be able to, um, for balance of their own team. But also um, sometimes I've been asked to do women's programs as well as I have done recently. And they want female roles models for that so you know I would I would never do a job where I thought I was being asked because I was a woman I'd fancy myself to compete and win the work regardless Um, I would never want to be the token woman but actually sometimes it can be an added bonus uh, to have uh, those different perspectives on the team and I think more and more people are beginning to acknowledge and, and, and understand that that adds to the quality of the work that gets done. Yeah, absolutely. So Katie, I mentioned uh, some research. There's there's a few reports that that we've seen. So we've got the Ipsy uh, Women in uh, Self-Employment report. There was also the Rose Review, which was done by Nat West. And uh, I don't know the author, but the Lloyds Bank did one the other day that I saw uh, published a few weeks ago. A slightly different focus. I found the Ipsy one was probably the most broad and the most comprehensive. The ones done by the banks, a bit more of a focus on the money and the financial aspect which you you know you completely understand yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah barriers for women i mean in the ipsy report they highlighted a few things like things like awareness of financial products and access to fine up came up lack of support networks and of course katie we've already mentioned care responsibilities women are also more likely according to ipsy to express concerns about being self-employed and the main concerns being really uh, stability of income preparing for retirement lack of employment benefits and getting access to financial products seem to be uh, in there as well. So a few concerns, and I think this was a bit of a trend we saw that that sense of security, stability, and the financial, you know, the the security in your financial planning did seem to come up quite a lot. And the Ipsy report showed that women typically start a business with less capital than men. So they usually start with less money, but we also mentioned that the difference in pay, and one of the things that really caught my eye in the Ipsy report was that on on average women charge 65 pound per day less for the same work and that's got worse it used to be a 32 pound difference and now it's a 65 pound uh, uh, difference and the report showed that more men men are more likely to be selected when when looking for work and i was really staggered i mean i'm not really surprised by the 65 pound figure but to see it written down was quite arresting i mean I mean, Katie, do you know what you charge compared to others and how did you get that frame of reference for setting your rate when you first started? Yeah, I mean, 
for me it was just very much picking a number out of a hat and I've then just been kind of gradually increasing it as I've gone on and actually one of the things that I did when after about a year or so of, of freelancing was a kind of bit of a time tracking activity and looking at how much I needed to how much time I had, what money I wanted to earn and how long it took me to actually do the activities. And the result of that was, oh yeah, okay, there is not enough hours for me to do all this work and make this much money. It's just the, the two didn't add up. So that's what kind of gave me a bit more of a, a push to raise my prices. And I do I do try and, and you know, keep, keep up with um, the kind of general trends in terms of pricing. I don't want to kind of, price myself out of working with the customers I want to work with but I also don't want to be bargain basement and kind of you know a rising tide you know raises all ships so I I don't do that much competitor research but I think I'm around average for the kind of work that I offer I think it's, it's quite hard to compare because you know people offer different packages and bring different skills and things so I quite often work with graphic designers. So if you look at my costs on their own, they're a bit cheaper. But actually, if you look at the fact that people are gonna be paying a graphic designer and paying me, compared to one person that does everything, it then ends up being about the same. So, but most of the people that I would have looked at were, are probably women. Um, so I've not really tried to compare myself to male Squarespace designers because there aren't actually that there aren't as many of them and yeah. um, they are mostly female so yeah I think it's there's just not that much data out there and no. that's definitely something I want to be more transparent about so a few years ago uh, I actually did a blog post where I literally shared my earnings broken down my category I shared my expenditures for the business and I, I want to do that again I'm, I was saying to you earlier Michelle like I'm going to sign up for 1% for the planet next year and I think as part of that, I want to do a kind of transparency report and share. And I think if more people actually shared that, it could give people the confidence to know, oh, okay, right, if they're charging this, then actually I'm kind of undercutting myself by not charging this. So yeah, I do think we need to have a conversation about it more. Yeah. What about you, Michelle? I agree. I think talking about it helps. Uh, the first uh, contract I did, it was just a fixed fee for everybody. And actually, I, I heard some of the other people working on the project with me say, oh, actually, this rate isn't very good. And I had no frame of reference. And when you earn a few hundred pounds a day, every day, for the, every day that you work, that sounds quite good to start off with. But they said, no, no, this rate's actually a bit rubbish. Um, you'd expect more. So actually, that was a real eye opener because I had no idea what, I, what, what you should be charging. And actually, what really helped me, there was a guy who's really entrepreneurial, we'd worked together he was really impressed by me he liked me and he said uh, he recommended me to two companies which I then got work with and he said Michelle do you do you know what your skills are worth and I was like uh honestly no he said um well it's this and he gave me the rates for two other companies he was working with and I couldn't believe what he was you know the, some of the rates he was telling me and actually that mm. really got me thinking about that that conversation is like actually do you know what he's really switched on he knows what he he will ask a company what do you get if this is what you're paying me what rate do you charge the customer and he's always curious about this stuff and he's not shy in having those conversations and actually that's been an eye-opener for me actually asking people what do you charge so even if you have a ballpark figure that helps and so that set my frame of reference and so now there's certain rates that I just wouldn't accept because I know that's not an appropriate rate for the work so I, I feel like would some men still be a bit 
I don't, I don't want to use the word cheekier, but we're ambitious and ask for a bit more for some yeah. work than I would, maybe. But actually, I think I'm asking for my worth correctly. But that's taken time. And it's actually having some of those conversations around money that might otherwise feel uncomfortable. So, yeah, I would know what other people are charging. I'm, I'm surprised people will actually talk about it a bit more than, than you think. So when you said that story earlier about the, the guy charging three times more, I thought that was fascinating like that just that disparity between the two exactly and i know we have conversations you know when in our freelance community we have conversations we've probably got pretty much equal gender split i'd say within within our little group and we yeah we quite often say kind of oh does this seem about right for a rate for this work and and kind of compare ideas and things like that so I think we are kind of checking in with each other and I think that's really important to not just kind of go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I need to like, you know, I need to just charge as little as possible to make sure I get the work. And it's really hard. And we've talked about this on other podcasts episodes as well, that kind of the the fear-based pricing where you kind of go, okay, I have to be cheap because of the ways people won't work with me and I need the work. Um, and so we won't go into too much detail about that here because we've talked about it so much before, but definitely yeah kind of I wonder if that's something that maybe women might be more tempted to do and be nice to people I think that's that kind of the 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 stereotype of women having that kind of more caring empathetic side you know for clients that are going oh but I just don't have the money I wonder if maybe women might be more like okay well I'll do you a deal and I'll give you some money off rather than kind of going no this is just how much it costs no otherwise I'm otherwise I'm the charity case (laughs) like yeah and also you you then lower the bar for other women as well so which makes exactly. it harder I, I i do come across women the, the men that go into they want to set up a business they want to help people so they're making products which also help people and that's really nice they go oh but i want to be affordable because people are going through trauma or people are having a hard time and they need me and it's like yeah but if you're not earning right you can't help anyone else if you were making good money you could give some away you could reduce rates for certain customers so you can't pour from an empty cup on the subject of money another thing that i found really interesting in the ipsy report was saying well you know men feel more secure about their financial future and their financial well-being but they're also more likely to have a pension or invest in stocks and shares whereas women are more likely to invest in sort of cash-based products um, or ices or something like this so you can sort of see why this feeling exists the men had slightly more of the kind of riskier ones i don't mean high risk Mm. but you know the stocks and shares style whereas women were going for a bit more had a higher portfolio of um cash based this came out of both the rose review and and the ipsy review uh, as well and i thought that was really interesting and uh, i'm quite lucky i worked in financial services i had to learn financial products my dad gave me quite a good financial education i have a partner with a good financial education as well which she's just acquired over time but I do think, um, yeah, part of me is wondering, like, oh, why are those decisions being made? Is it attitudes to risk? Is it is it because historically men were the ones that always handled the finances in the house? Therefore, it's more commonplace for them to have information or to seek this out or to read it. I don't know why that is, but that could really start to impact on retirement, you know, if you've not got the long term financials in place. Well, the thing, if you, if you you think of your stereotypical kind of banker, stockbroker figures, and you imagine the room where they're like, buy, 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 sell, sell, you picture men, don't you? And that's, you know, that's what's depicted in the media. And I'm certain there are women there, but it's depicted as the, the, the very much a kind of male dominated profession. And so I do wonder if that plays a role in it as well in that, you know, oh, okay, stocks and, and shares, that's the thing that men do. And yeah, it's that, that sort of, 
it's just not something that women consider or perhaps, yeah, they've got different needs and so financial advisors aren't really trained enough to deal with the differing needs between women and men. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to find out more about why or the reasons behind that and, the, yeah, those attitudes towards risk. Um, I do know that my some of my female friends who've had kids they've said that their attitudes to risk have changed since they've had kids and they're less willing to take risks since they've had kids because they're like, it's not just me that I'm risking now, it's my kid. And so I wonder if that plays into it at all. I don't know if men feel the same way. I've not spoken to my like friends who are fathers. So it'd be interesting to actually have that conversation with them and see if that's yeah. how they feel as well. Yeah, a lot of this research, we, we, we have the figures, but we don't really know the why behind them. So as Katie says, we do yeah. need more research in that. But that's certainly one that could affect not your just your financial health now, but financial health in the future uh, over time. Mm. Uh, another interesting one that came out of the Ipsy report was was about how women 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 find work. So uh, we found that one of the findings was that men were a bit more confident in approaching people directly for work, whereas women lean towards so social media. I don't know if this is partly down to age. So 75% of women say they find work more challenging the finding work more challenging than men and the men was about 68 percent of this work but this is the Ipsy report was saying this is the task that self-employed people spend the most time on and they also suggested that men spend more hours per year looking for work I don't know that's a good thing or a bad thing but the one that caught my eye was that men are more likely to use hubs or co-working spaces with more women choosing to work from home and the, the report also showed that more women feel isolated and I thought that was quite interesting for a few few reasons I mean one direct the the confidence to approach people directly for work whether you get the work or not I think is is fascinating because I think that would up your chances of getting work but this idea of men being more likely to go to hubs or co-working spaces really stuck out to me so the reports were kind of suggesting that women like to do their, their networking via social media which is great I suppose it's convenient and I and again we don't know why this is how it is but what I can't help but thinking Katie and I don't know what you, your views are on this that if if more men are going into these physical spaces like the hubs and co-working spaces so much happens there networking finding work raising your profile getting support and learning from others getting that kind of emotional and sort of mental support and I really feel like if, if more women are doing this online, I do feel that something is lost. Not to say you can't network online successfully or get business online successfully, but I do feel there is a bit of a, I don't know, if I, I think that would cause a difference, causing women to miss out on some opportunities. But I don't know your thoughts on that because I know you, you work from home a lot, but you still do the networking. Yeah, I think it's that, it's that same vicious circle thing again as well as, you know, if, if you have a co-working space and it's got, mostly men in it and then somebody wants to come and have a look at that co-working space and they're thinking of joining it and they see it and it's a sea of men and they think okay this isn't for me then you can see why that happens i think probably as well with the additional responsibilities that women do take on especially around childcare, we know that that's not unique to freelancing we know that during the lockdown women did take on more responsibilities around household tasks and admin and childcare during the lockdown i think that restricts the times of day they can actually leave the house especially if they've got to do a school run in the morning and then they've got to do a school run in the afternoon most co-working spaces 
have you know day passes or you could maybe do a half day from nine till one or once but if you can't get in until after nine and you have to leave before three you're not getting the value for money out of that space so it probably is quite a hard decision to make to actually spend that money when you're not going to be actually using the space for the whole day and then you've got all the the travel time as well and if you've if you've got a shorter working day because of childcare responsibilities or other caring responsibilities, which we know again, tend to fall to women, then you can't really justify having that travel time eating into your day anymore either. And I do wonder if, yeah, if for women as well, it is just that kind of, if women do, if they are still doing the more traditional houseworky kind of female roles, then maybe it's just that, well, I would go and work from home but I've got to make dinner and I've got to put the laundry on and I've got to go to the shops and everything and actually it's just not practical for me to do that as well again I'm I'm not domesticated like that my other half does all the cooking and sorts out a lot of the house stuff so but yeah I mean I I really like co-working spaces uh there's not that many where I live in North Wales so that's another challenge and I definitely noticed that the coffee shops or cafes and restaurants that I used to go and work in, because of the pandemic, they switched to kind of having a different seating arrangement, more food-based, more like you book your time. They've taken away a lot of the spaces that I used to be able to use to just sit and perch out of the way and be able to just sit and work. And of course I'd buy things from them as well, but I think maybe it's availability of spaces that meet your requirements as well, which is probably not just for women or men. Um, But I think, yeah, if you're not in a city, it's actually hard to find somewhere. Um, I think one of the things it said in the report as well was that the sample of women that they used versus men, the sample of women was younger. And that's because actually there's been a big increase in the, the sort of younger age group of women turning to freelancing compared to before. A lot of women, I think, do it because they you know, see the flexibility and being able to fit it around childcare and things like that. Whereas I think a lot of the men were older because they'd been freelancing for longer because of they'd been, you know, the sort of IT contractor, the sort of freelance contract work that, that was historically male dominated. Yeah. So I wonder if, because of that, if the women are, younger they may especially the younger end of it you know people in their sort of 20s early 20s they may not have the funds available to afford a co-working space so they might actually be working from home yeah and but also they may feel more that they're probably more skilled at the nuances of, of networking online or they may just not be to yeah. the, accustomed to the old-fashioned old-timey ways of meeting people face to face which seems very quaint these days but it's interesting what you're saying about childcare and those co-working spaces or even networking events actually whether the organizations i work with have co-working spaces and i said well this is something we should look at in terms of the spaces that we offer i think they're already very accessible but uh, you know would you want a co-working space that had a crash for example would there be take up for that I don't know because that would affect men too but even when we have it talking about our launch event for this women's program we were like well do we have a space do we say that women can bring children with them if they're struggling to fit it around childcare? but then we kind of came up with a point and we asked one of our colleagues who is who is a mum 
And she's like, well, actually, if I were going to something like this, I'd probably want a child free space. This would be me time where I'm focusing on my business. Mm. I don't think I'd want children to be in the room. And actually, for some women, their workspace is the space where they stop being a mum for five minutes. Well, they don't stop being a mum, but they don't focus. That's not their main role for five minutes. They can be a director and then they can also balance those roles. And it's quite nice um, to be thought of, you know, with those different hats on. So it's a really tricky one to think about. But as as more men do take on responsibility in, in the home as well and most dads I know these days are much more hands-on than the older generation this is something that will affect both genders over time so hopefully we'll see it change and actually Katie on that subject of, of parenting there was some there were some other interesting things that came out of that Ipsy report and one of the challenges of course when you're a parent and a freelancer is access to maternity leave so if you're a female freelancer you've only really got the statutory maternity allowance unless you save up your own money and actually i've got here is at the time of recording it's 148 pounds 68 or 90 percent of earnings whichever is less for 39 weeks apparently a third of women don't take all of this money and actually many don't take it at all we'll come on to men in a minute but the men don't get anything so you can see why that maybe that burden falls on the women as well and i I was really so yeah i i don't know the financials of being a a female sort of parent and freelancer i think is really challenging uh, personally but also financially as well i guess yeah and i think there's a lot of women who will stay in their paid employed jobs in order to get the maternity benefits certainly for their first baby at least they'll stay there because the maternity pay for freelancing is so crap but then they go back to work and actually they find that their employed job does not give them the flexibility that they need or want to work around having a family and that's the point when they go self-employed because they've they've sort of you know got the got to the point where they've realized actually no this we need the better work-life balance um but then yeah for kind of i guess second or third babies then that's a really difficult decision to take is yeah you basically have to expect to not earn very much which yeah if you're if you're earning quite a lot as a freelancer then that's going to be a big big dip and big challenge and yeah it's it's and the partners like you say you get partners get nothing yeah it's crazy we know a few women who have done it but again they've just had to plan financially very carefully and sort of tee up with their clients as well and you know katie we've talked about parenting here but also my experience i find more women are also likely to have care responsibilities for older members of the family too and actually I've, i've spoken to so many people in the last few weeks women who are either retired age or heading towards retired age who are trying to they want to run a business that fits around their care responsibilities for elderly relatives or people who are sick or actually sometimes looking after grandkids as well actually so there's uh, again more likely to be women doing that there too so this would also have an impact as you say a lot of the research is younger women i'd love to hear this these some of these figures for older women because as i say i'm seeing more older women sort of not wanting to retire but like still wanting to work, but yeah. not wanting to work full time or there's health issues. And uh, we're seeing an increase in those women starting businesses too, which is lovely to see. Um, so hopefully we'll get more data on that in the future. I think the final point is training as well. Women are more likely to admit they need training than men. This is consistent with my experience in the world of training and coaching. Um, this also seems to be true for freelancing. 
interesting some of the topics that women are more likely to ask for are things like bookkeeping the legalities of setting up taxes self-assessment this kind of thing setting and maintaining their rates and dealing with competition so these are some of the core areas that women report women are also more likely to spend more time on their personal development again we don't really know why or what the impact of that is but i thought that was interesting uh, as well and that could actually be linked to that sort of again whether this is true or whether it is just a stereotype of women feeling the imposter syndrome more than men and having less confidence because i think if you feel less confident you're more likely to seek out validation in the form of training so you can feel like okay i know what i'm doing now i'll know what i'm doing when i've had this training Whereas maybe men are just kind of going, oh, I'll be fine. I know enough already. Yeah, we, we, we do find that sometimes that, um, you know, guys are more like, we, again, we, we know from research that's been around in the employed world for a while that men are more likely to apply for a job way before they're ready. They'll chance their arm and they'll apply for it, whereas women tend to wait till they're 85%, 90% ready before they apply. And again, I think some of those attitudes may be at play there too. But I also want to, Katie, I, in businesses, I find you get a lot of what we call informal coaching. So, so if uh, you've got like a bit of a boys club, uh, a male employee will talk to the manager and more likely to go for coffee or play five aside football with that guy. And they have a bit of informal coaching and it's like, oh, how was that meeting? Oh, it was really stressful, but I was dealing with the director and I did this, this and this. And by osmosis, they're passing on valuable information about the business, about management, about the thought process, the commercials. Yeah. Whereas women aren't part of that inner circle, they won't get it. So it may be that women perhaps have not had access to some of those views or some of the informal mentoring that perhaps may have happened quite naturally for some of the guys elsewhere. Again, we don't really know so we're speculating but they're some of the things that we've seen Katie we've talked about women here and there might be some men or some women listening to this thinking well actually you know it's not a walk in the park for the guys either and no there are the gender issue does affect men as well doesn't it oh yeah 100% and I think certainly around some of the areas like you like like you're saying about the training stuff and asking for support I think there's probably more stigma attached to men asking for support especially if they're struggling and you know talking around anything to do with mental health but even just you know struggling and asking for help I think depending on the industry there's probably it's probably more challenging for men to actually ask for the help that they need so they're probably actually suffering in silence more we know that's not limited to to freelancing, you know, the the male suicide rate is frighteningly higher than the female suicide rate, for, especially along, amongst young men. Um, and, and one of the reasons people think that is is that because men are less likely to ask for help. So I think definitely the stigma and and kind of fear of judgment in asking for help um, amongst men is probably meaning that a lot of them are struggling and and people don't even know. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, things like you mentioned before, Michelle, about parental leave, and you know, if you've got two parents who are both both self-employed, are you saying it's called parental? It's, it's called it, paternity it, leave, even if it's the same sex. Two women, it's called pater- yeah. paternity leave. They, I mean, they, they should call it other <laughs> parent leave, but yeah, basically, yeah. yeah but t- yeah, you don't get paternity leave if you're self-employed. Like technically, if you if if you're working on a, for an agency and they're paying your national insurance, you might be, but basically, you don't get it. And it's same if you're a civil partner or a, have a same-sex partner and your partner's on maternity leave, you wouldn't necessarily get it if you're self-employed. And it's interesting what you're saying, Katie, about the stigma. Yeah, I've known men who have, you know, been absolutely overwhelmed in their businesses, run into the ground and had breakdowns. And those of us who know them are saying, well, why didn't you speak up? We're here for you. You know, you've got this whole support network would have helped. 
but the, it doesn't come out until the, the, the breaking down has occurred. Yeah. And I think that can be really tricky. I think sometimes, again, Deborah Tanner's, Tanner's article, The Power of Talk, it's a great article about the way that men and women communicate and why women are perceived to be less confident, even though they aren't. And she says the way, the way that men are socialised to communicate, for women, it's a conversation is something you build together, you harmonise, and each person chips in and builds together. This is why women are perceived to interrupt more. They don't interrupt more. They're collectively building and, and on each other's points and reinforcing each other. Apparently with men, they're socialised to competing conversations. So it's more like holding the talking stick. So each person takes his turn. And I think sometimes there is this sort of competitive environment and you don't want to be seen to not cope in. And I, I know for some guys, if they're self-employed, if they are the breadwinner and they're in that traditional role or if their family are relying upon them to bring the work in, you know, we know how it works in self-employment. There ebbs and flows sometimes with your with your income and I think that can put a lot of pressure on on guys as well the the ipsy report i'm sure i saw something there saying men report facing more discrimination than men i don't know if either they experience more or they report it more i thought that was interesting but it also suggested that men seem to have more problems getting paid than women and are more likely to not get paid at all so unfortunately that's something that happens to, to both genders and it's something we've all got to be alive to but it seems that men have a little bit more issue with that again we don't really know why but that's uh, that was something that caught my eye as well yeah and i think the other thing is that you know whilst when, when we're talking about oh you know it's easier for men da, 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 and we're, we're quite often the, the people who have it easiest with the most privilege are white men often older white men and actually for anyone who is from a more marginalized group they are absolutely experiencing barriers as well so it's a lot of the issues are not just related to being a woman that's just one you know group that is being sort of second second place <laughs> as it yeah. were but you know also recognizing that as white women we do have a certain amount of privilege there as well and that there are a lot of people who do not have that privilege who are facing just as many if not more barriers than women in freelancing yeah there's, there's uh, that intersectionality there adds more yeah. more challenges into the mix so look, let's have a talk about what we can do. Uh, look, well, first of all, we need to keep talking about these topics. There's not a huge amount of research on it. I've been looking into it and I can't find that many reports really or any good data on, on the challenges that, that freelancers face on the basis of gender. What should we do? We should be talking to businesses, we should be talking to MPs and we should be talking to the local startup hubs and organisations that, that provide funding or support to businesses looking to start up so they specifically address the needs of women. Hence the work I'm doing for an organization called mentor next month we're doing a women's program to address these very needs so that's great and and, and that in infrastructure and society's attitudes need to change but we can't wait for society to change so i guess katie it might be useful to discuss some of the things we can do again we can't solve it here but we we, we had a few ideas we put our heads together so katie what are some of your ideas that we could do to help help with this topic yeah i think like you were saying we need to keep talking about it not just to the sort of higher up people that can make decisions but i think we all if we could all be more transparent and actually have more conversations about pay and experiences as women female freelancers then that can really help so i think talking more about how much we charge and, and I'm, I'm extending this to men as well talking about how much we charge so that and actually having somewhere to be able to find out what other people are charging so that we can tackle the gender pay gap and actually make sure that that we're all 
charging the, the, the correct, as it were, amount. Um, you know, that we're not underselling ourselves compared to our male counterparts. So I think just more transparency, more people talking about what they charge. And I think kind of, yeah, related to that sharing experiences as well. So if you have had a bad experience as a woman, not minimalizing it, minimalizing it, minimizing it, uh, not minimizing your experience, but actually sharing your experience so that other people feel that they can come forward and share their experiences. And then actually there can be a wider discussion about the problems and looking for solutions and just, yeah, kind of bringing it up to that kind of level of consciousness. And we see this every so often, you know, with Me Too, and then with after the was it Sarah Everard who was killed mm-hmm. and there was a, a lot of talk around how women don't feel safe walking alone on the streets and that then led to a lot of people sharing experiences and I think we do need more conversations like that where people share their experiences so other people are like oh so that's actually not just something that I would thought was just a happened to me okay let me share my story yeah i I think yeah everyday sexism as a hashtag was set up not to solve the problem but just to prove that the problem exists it became unignorable katie you talked about money i do i look i'm not a big fan of like saying oh society is this way therefore the women need fixing the women need to flex themselves out of shape but if we lean in (laughs) but if we expect that if we accept that society does change at a glacial place then i think we need to then there are things we can do to to address those gaps I think one of them is to develop your soft skills. So I think if if you feel that you have never been encouraged to to show your assertiveness or you back off from negotiating, then I think as well as developing our technical skills, which I find most freelancers are really good at. So if you're a copywriter, you'll work on your writing skills. Or if you're running a business, you might work on your bookkeeping skills or your organisation skills. But I think the soft skills need work too. So things like asking for what you want, saying no, negotiating, assertiveness, I think there's all things we can work on if you feel that you're lacking them so actively seek them out and find a mentor as well I found it really useful to talk to to, to, to to men sometimes like if they're getting different results I'm like well what are they doing and what can I learn and I'll just start asking if I find someone who's willing to talk I'll ask them so either a female or a male mentor um, might be able to help you with this this is something that freelancers often neglect but do put time into your personal development work on yourself as well as within your business I th- also think this addresses to, to money mind so Katie you're right I think we do need to talk about it and as I mentioned earlier open conversations with people about money has really helped me but I think also I do think men are socialized maybe to handle the financial affairs with a bit more confidence not all men will feel that but I think that's more likely than women whereas women are are taught that it's a bit cheeky or a bit taboo to talk about money so if you're but if you realise your money mindset, if, you, if you're if you going, yeah, but I, I'm not comfortable with that, if you're backing off from those conversations, there are loads of books and videos and courses on money mindset, and it might be worth you know specifically addressing that as well. I think that would help people feel a bit more comfortable. Yeah, and I think other steps you can take is actually just being an ally. And if you're a male freelancer and you're listening to this, then you make sure that you know, you're supporting women, you're, you're kind of asking questions and making sure that you're being as good an ally as you can be. So whether that's, if you've been asked to appear on a panel, you know, questioning the organizers, or if you've been asked to be a speaker, questioning the organizers to make sure they're actually considering diversity, including, you know, female freelancers. If you are on an all male decision-making panel, like judging panel or hiring panel or anything like that, then definitely raise the question there about 
is you know can we include a woman in this and be willing to even maybe step aside to let a woman take that that spot um that that's a complicated issue so i won't kind of go into it now but uh, you know the question is whether you should step aside to allow someone with less privilege take your place or whether that's sort of, sort of a bit of a kind of savior complex thing um it's, it's a tricky one but i think just yeah speak speaking up as a woman as well you know if you're not experiencing these problems or even if you have had them in the past speaking up and supporting other women women being there to support other women and stand up for them and you know again when we're we've got you know we're, we have a louder voice collectively and i think kind of linked to that as well if you've got an opportunity to be a role model then take it so sometimes again maybe this is something that we feel more as women than men you sometimes feel like that imposter syndrome of oh i'm not really qualified to be a role model like you know who am i to say that this is a good way to do things or anything like that but i think especially for areas that are more traditionally male dominated if you are a woman in that field it can be so inspiring especially for younger women to see somebody who is making a success of their life however you define success it doesn't have to be you know hustling and six-figure incomes and all of that it's about how you define success i think even something like mentoring can make such a difference in terms of raising up other women yeah I think you only need to be one step ahead as well Katie like I say I do business advising and I do it for for women who are doing startups I don't do growth because I I never wanted to take on employees and grow my business so it doesn't matter you know if you're just that one step it's fine and just a couple other things as well Katie I'd say get get your face out there so if men are more likely to go to face offense news hubs you know it might feel a bit intimidating going there on your own but if you can get to them I would suggest get your face out there show up consistently and use these spaces and if you if the spaces aren't very parent friendly or they're not very accessible ask you might not get what you want but if more people keep asking for for more accessible spaces or wait like katie said the fee structure of it so you can make it a bit more accommodating to people then that you know if enough people ask we're more likely to see it and finally find the right support so we can't answer all these questions on the on the podcast today but there are Mm -hmm. groups out there where you can continue these conversations there are women's networking groups which can be a supportive space and they can create a space where women can talk about their challenges without feeling like they're moaning and they can also get valuable information as well katie you'd mentioned a couple to me um I'm not aware, I can't think of any sort of national ones that are out there. Yeah, so there's Freelance Mum, which is a great resource for anyone who has kids and are struggling with challenges specifically to do with parenting as a freelancer. They are based in Bristol, but I think they're starting up some regional hubs and they've got a ton of stuff like resources and everything online. Another organisation is called Pregnant Then Screwed for people who are finding themselves stuck after pregnancy it is more aimed at people in employment but they do they do talk about self-employment as well so that can be one to look into if you're looking for that um but yeah there's various various networks can meet um, up and event bright and things like that yeah 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 there's one that's us based but it's called freelancing females that's a really large community for women there's there's quite a few that i've heard of found and flourish i don't know if that's women only but i've heard quite a few people talk about it so um yeah just you know maybe ask for people ask for recommendations and have a look online and see which one seems like a good fit for you if you do want that kind of female only space to be able to have those conversations so at the end of each episode we always try and summarize by sharing our one top takeaway so michelle 
if there's just one piece of advice you could give to people or one thing you could do around being a female freelancer, such as it is a problem, um, what would it be? Um, I think for, for me, Katie, I, I think you're pro- probably going to be the same as yours. I was going to say, yeah, talk about it. Damn, that was mine. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll choose a different I'll choose a different one. I would say then work up, do, do overcome some of those, we talk about imposter syndrome. So I would say things like money mindset, uh, confidence. And one of the, my favourite workshops that I do is uh, called Asking for What You Want. And uh, I do get the women in the group, I've done that before, to ask for what they want. And actually you'll be really surprised how much just asking does get so you won't always be successful it's not like you're not always going to be judged but yeah we can't wait for society to change but we can improve ourselves so I think if if, if you have those and some women don't at all but if you do do pick up those soft skills and and uh, do your homework find out what other people do and see if you can do some of that too go on Katie and then to the absolute surprise <laughs> of nobody <laughs> mine would be to talk about it so yeah just have those conversations talk about money even though it's uncomfortable talk about the challenges that you're facing and just get those discussions out there so that if there's a collective problem it can be solved collectively as well this has been a bit of a different podcast to our normal approach because normally we're just like yeah here's the problem we've got tons of ideas we know quite a lot about this but this is one where we've really just been like yeah we're just starting this discussion really at this point so we'd love to hear from you if you've got any comments about the podcast you can reach out to us on twitter at 99 problems cast that's the number 99 problems and then cast as in podcast And we'll see you again for another episode of 99 Problems, but a boss ain't one.